Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So how bad is the economy? How much of it is government-driven? How much of it is Biden-driven? You've got people like Elon Musk who are reportedly cutting 10% of salaried workforce and in a message to executives said, I have a super bad feeling about the economy. You've got people like J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon who said that there's a hurricane coming and people should brace themselves. So what is coming and how do you at home prepare? We're going to get into all of these questions and get answers from my friend, Carol Roth. She's awesome. She's a, a good friend, such a smart woman as well. She's the author of New York Times bestselling book, The Entrepreneur Equation. She also just most recently wrote The War on Small Business, just really smartly looking at what happened during COVID, how small businesses were just crushed. The average American was crushed in favor of the big, right? Like the Walmarts, the Targets, they all got to stay open. Right. Everyone who's, you know, tied to the, you know, the government, tied to, you know, powerful politicians, whatever, they got to stay afloat. She's a recovering investment banker. She's got a whole lot going on, in- including currently as an outsourced CCO. She's also just got a great sense of humor as well, which I feel like is needed in this day and age, right? Everything's so depressing. So we have to laugh a little bit. We have to enjoy life. My favorite thing from her website and her bio, it says she advocates for small businesses small government and big hair. <laughs> so she's got a sense of humor. So we're going to get into all of these things with Carol Roth. You know, hopefully she clears some things up for us. So stay tuned. So I think most people at home 
I mean, we're all paying more, right? We're all seeing that the economy uh, is, you know, a total mess. So how bad is it? You know, what do we need to know? So I brought my friend Carol Roth to the show. Uh, if you guys don't follow her on Twitter, you should. Not only is she brilliant, but she also has a sense of humor, which is needed in this uh, day and age. So, Carol, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, and I'm going to bitterly cling to anything that's even somewhat humorous. So I know this, the overall the macro environment isn't funny, but we're going to do our best to keep our wits about us, Lisa. Well, and if you don't follow Carol for financial advice, which you should on Twitter, you should also follow her for Where Would You Wear This? The post. <laughs> so Carol, Carol. Hashtag on what occasion? Or yes. no, on, on what occasion rather. Yeah. So basically Carol posts these pictures of people distressing insane, but it's mostly like runway. And I think people actually think it looks good, but it's just very, very funny. And then the comments are funny. I, I try to chime in every once in a while. So. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. You know, the funniest thing is the, the one that I started it with actually was something that wasn't from a runway. It was something that I had just kind of seen. And I didn't mean to make it a thing. I was just like, on what occasion would you wear this? But I've conditioned people to respond and to engage to everything. And I got so many funny responses that like I had to do it again. And then when I got funny responses, I was like, okay, this is now officially a thing. Yeah, now now it's it's a a thing. thing, So it's good. (laughs) But, But you know, to the point, people do need some humor because, you know, we're looking at the economy. Everyone's paying more for essentially everything. I mean, you order Uber Eats, there's like surcharges tacked, attached, you know, attached to everything. Everything's just more expensive. But you know, how bad is the economy truly right now? So it's always interesting when we talk about the economy because the economy is, is based and measured on sort of these aggregate things. It's based on government spending in part, um, which we don't necessarily want that to be high and adding to our GDP. It's based on net exports, which obviously, given the current strength of the dollar globally and just some of the things um, that have happened around the world, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to gauge. And then it's based on business investment and the consumer. And so, you know, we like it when businesses are investing and hiring and letting people participate. And we like it when the consumer is feeling great about things and is spending to the extent that they're expenditures aren't putting them in a bad financial position. And that's the part that I'm the most focused on and, frankly, the most furious. You know, we've, we've gone from funny to furious in like two seconds. But, but this really is the part that I'm furious about because we've had all of these very bad policy decisions, monetary policy from the Federal Reserve, fiscal policy from Congress and, and this administration and, frankly, the previous administration um, and other government policies. And they have created the situation, like you said, that we, that we are all feeling But now they're looking to the consumer, the strength of the consumer, to spend and to bail us out. And what that means is as individuals, people are going in, they are saving less, they are incurring more debt, and they're putting themselves in a bad financial position in order to quote-unquote save the economy. So to the extent that the economy is doing well, 
it's somewhat on the back of people making sacrifices of their financial position. And so you know, there is this sort of push-pull that's going on that I don't think enough people are talking about. Well, and there's also this shaming of people, to, to your point. We've got the media basically telling us that bread lines are good, that scarcity is good, that like living, having a normal life is bad now, you know? So it's it's quite a time to be alive. It is. It's, it's really a slap in the face because the media have been these sort of cheerleaders and useful idiots to, you know, point out everything that is completely untrue. And then once it's proved true to tell you why it's not a bad thing. And we saw that with inflation, that that entire litany of, you know, it's not going to happen. It'll run a little bit hot. It'll be transitory. And then it was, oh, it's the consumer's fault. No, actually, it's good for you. It's only bad for rich people. It's greedy corporations' fault. Now it's Putin's fault. And like you said, bread lines are a great way to to meet your neighbors. (laughs) You know, it's like we're one step away from that. but they're, you know, just wear a mask, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. but people are not stupid. They're going to wherever it is, the grocery store, the gas station, trying to book a trip, you know, whatever it is that they're doing in their lives. And they're seeing these, these you know, percentage increases, which, by the way, are far higher than the reported percentage increases, things like the the CPI, which is the official measure of inflation, which has been changed a couple of times since the 1980s, to depress it because it's tied to adjustments and, and cost of living adjustments and things like Social Security. So if they told you the actual amount, um, you know that that things were really increased. They'd have to, you know, pay out a lot more in terms of a you know, number of these different programs. So people know that that they're getting screwed over. Um, but at the same time, the powers that be want to tell you what a fantastic economy it is. All of this, you know, amazing amazing stuff that they've done. And the part that's the most frustrating is sort of the out of context. Um, comparisons, things like, oh, you know, well, in the fourth quarter was this, you know, hugest GDP. Well, yeah, like they shut the economy off and then they opened it back up on a comparison level, like you would expect it to be higher. It's nowhere near as high as it should have been. And oh, by the way, in the first quarter this year, we had negative GDP. So like, you know, stop cherry picking this information and putting it out of context because we're not stupid, even though you seem to think that we are. Well, and to that point, so how do we, you know, obviously I trust you, which is, you know, why you're, you're on the show and we try to get to the truth on this show. That's the whole point of it. But like, who can we trust and who are the experts? Because, well, we, you know, I made a mask or joke about masks, you know, masks don't work, but COVID was eye opening because we realized that the experts, the quote unquote experts are actually idiots. They lack any common sense whatsoever and they lied to us. So, you, you know, you look at the same logic applied to the economic experts. You know, who do we trust? How do we get to the truth in this environment? Trust nobody, Lisa. <laughs> trust no. Don't even trust me. You know. Oh, come thing. on. <laughs> it's, it's, you can't trust people. You have to look at information. You have to look at principles. And so, look at a wide variety of information. Do your own research, 
and then come to your own conclusions. And, you know, keep track of people's track records as well. Uh, The economy is very difficult to predict because there are things that happen along the way that change the the course and the trajectory. But generally look, you know, when you're listening to people and say, you know, are they repeating talking points? Is this something that makes sense in the context of all the other information that I'm seeing? You know, does this sit right in my gut? I mean, there, there are a bunch of things out there where I'm hearing stuff and I'm just in my gut. I'm like, you know, that just doesn't sit right with me. You know, trust, trust yourself, trust your guts over, you know, any one specific person. And I think that this is the time where we have to do, unfortunately, a lot of research um, independently and look at a, a bunch of different sources and know you're never going to have the right answer, but at least you'll have enough context and information to make a somewhat educated and informed set of choices. And I think it's also why you need to, as you approach um, you know, your own personal finance and, and economic well-being, why you have to remain optimistic but also be realistic and you know, set up that preparation because even if the worst case scenario doesn't come true, you know, no one's ever said, "Well, you know, I, I'm really bummed that I, you know, overprepared or, or whatnot." That that's never something that that any Boy Scout, Girl Scout, or anybody else would ever say to you. You know, you've touched on it, but how much of what we're facing is government driven? I mean, obviously, we saw the experts thinking we could essentially shut down the economy and then just reopen it or, or even looking at the baby formula shortage. So I, I was reading about the WIC program, which kind of helped create this crisis, even dating back to I think it was like the 1980s or whatever. But basically because of this government program, we've sort of allowed some of these you know manufacturers to have a monopoly in the market. I think there's really basically four main manufacturers of baby formula in the United States. And so, you know, even with that, right, so how much of our issues are are self-inflicted or or government-driven? I mean, almost all of them. Uh, The government, all it does is create barriers to opportunities and wealth creation. I mean, I can't really think of anything that they've done where it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's really helped foster growth and and widespread individual wealth opportunities. Um, So I think they bear a lot of the blame. And it's, you know, it's a reality that we have to be aware of. Um, As you know, my previous book, The War on Small Business, um, I talked about, you know, sort of that great consolidation and the fact that the government works very closely with big businesses to put up these barriers and to put up these regulations that do end up in scenarios like, if something goes wrong with one of those companies, we have a systemic failure and a baby food shortage. You know, that that is insanity. And that is because, you know, there isn't the widespread competition, whether it's, you know, internal to the U.S. or externally, um, you know, to, to avoid that from happening. And, you know, in the, the greater economic front, you know, all of the inflation was entirely driven by policy. You know, people say, well, the Federal Reserve isn't really the government. Oh, really? They get their mandate from Congress and they give their profits back to the Treasury. That sounds pretty governmenty to me. So, you know, you keep pretending that they're this independent agency. Um, but, you know, their printing of trillions of dollars, the administration's um, printing of trillions of dollars, you know, especially the American Rescue Plan, which came after the economy was opened back up and the vaccines were rolling out, we were already seeing percolating 
targeting inflation, the decisions that they've made um, in terms of canceling oil and gas leases, the you know cozying up to the ESG lobby and having them direct capital away from you know energy resources. I mean, all of these things are tied together. And all of these are central planning, bad decisions, you know, outside the scope of the free market. And in every scenario throughout history, during all of time, those decisions don't do as well as, you know, free market open decisions being made by you know, millions of people over and over again on a daily basis. Quick commercial break. More on the economy with Carol Roth. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from 4Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Can we ever have a free market to when you're a point, you know, essentially everything's manipulated? 
So there's a spectrum, right? This is the way that I view it. So the the free market, freedom, choice, um, opportunity of many people that has a lot of transparency happening versus that central planning, which is a handful of people making decisions on behalf of everyone, which is very opaque. And I just see it as sort of like a pendulum or a movement along the spectrum. You either move closer to that free market scenario or you move further away from it. And we had a time when we were much closer to that and we have been, you know, kind of marching steadily in the other directions. Will we ever have at scale a hundred percent everything free market? It's highly, highly unlikely and not, you know, not at scale, maybe in like little, little areas or nuggets or enclaves, but not at scale, but we can move, you know, much further in that direction. But (laughs) given the behemoth that the government has become at every level and particularly the federal government, um, you know, it's going to take some serious fortitude, you know, whether it's getting a whole bunch of people into Congress, you know, willing to do the things to tear it apart, to tear it down to its foundational studs, whether it's some sort of convention of the states or whatnot, but it's going to take a really concerted effort um, and it's going to take the fortitude of people to give up that little crumb and morsel that you're getting and understand that you will do much better in the grand scheme of things by giving that up. I mean, that was the whole thing with you know these, these COVID relief dollars that so many of us tried to warn about. Okay, you got your $1,200 check, but next year it's going to cost you an extra $6,000 to get that $1,200 check. Don't do it. And people said, no, I want my $1,200 check. I want my free money from the government. It wasn't free. It was really expensive. Um, So the more people who can learn those lessons and eventually go, okay, yeah, I'm willing to make that, you know, kind of short-term benefit trade-off for the long-term wealth creation and freedom opportunities for ourselves, you know, if we can get more people on board with that, we will be in a much better position. So basically, it's going to take some people with some big kahunas. (laughs) That's another way to say it. Yes, way way to get right to the point on that one. You know, sorry, I'd asked you earlier, you know, how much of this is government driven, but how much of it is Biden driven? (laughs) Um, So I like to be fair about this. I mean, the reality is that I hate the guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I mean, there's not a lot to like, I'm not even sure that he's in charge or he knows what's going on. You know, this was set in motion before he came on board. The stupid decisions that the 15 days to slow the spread was, you know, an architecture of the Trump administration. And then it went down to the states and the states took it and abused it and made it a whole big thing. The Federal Reserve started intervening in the markets in March of 2020 to, you know, on an emergency basis, support them. By June of 2020, the NASDAQ, June 5th, hit an intraday all time high. All-time high. We don't need emergency support when you have one of the indices hitting an all-time high. They could have just stopped it then. But again, you know, the former administration likes a booming stock market. So certainly, you know, they weren't going to go, hey, guys, maybe you should pull back. So all of this was set in motion, and it would have been bad. However, when Biden got in, put in place, 
he exacerbated all of those things. So, you know, as I said, the, you know, the, the cancellation of the oil and gas leases, the changing of the energy poly, policy and embracing, um, you know, this kind of ESG uh, fringe group that's now become quite mainstream in terms of the direction of, of what they're doing for capital allocation. The American Rescue Plan, you know, throwing $1.9 trillion onto this kindling fire, they took something that wasn't going to be great and just fully exacerbated it. He, you know, he reappointed Powell. He brought back Janet Yellen, who is Secretary of the Treasury, who's been wrong about everything. So, um, you know, he what he should be doing, frankly, is spending more time going, yeah, I know it's tough, but, you know, I inherited all of these things instead of trying to sell how wonderful it is because he doesn't want to have to admit to, you know, his piece um, of contribution, which was substantial. But there is, there's a two-part issue. You know, part of this is systemic, and it doesn't matter you know, who is in, in the White House or who's in Congress unless something shifts. And then part of it you know, lays squarely at the feet of this particular administration, who, by the way, have not done one positive thing since they started. There's, there's not one thing that I can look at and go, you know, that was a decision that makes people's lives better. Not one thing since he started. See, I don't think they want to make people's lives better. Like, I, I believe this is with intention. It's by design to push people to the policies that they want. I mean, they're essentially giving people, the American people, the middle finger when it comes to gas prices because they want everything to shift towards their green climate agenda, right? So, like, they want people to suffer. I mean, he made those choices regarding fossil fuels, like nuking the Keystone Pipeline with intention, and then they laugh at us, like his energy secretary being like, oh, we'll just get an electric car and you wouldn't be strong. You know what I mean? So it's like they don't care. Like, they want us to hurt. And, like, I was even reading about – um you know, with the, the war on fossil fuels, I mean, obviously having an impact on gas prices and energy and all that, but even like chemical f- fertilizers, a- increasing the cost of food because chemical fertilizers are made largely from natural gas. And so like th- the suffering is by design, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge point because it's not just the cost of those fertilizers. It's the fact that we don't have enough of them at any cost. And it's not just here in the U.S., but it's a global issue, and some of the decisions that they have made are going to lead, if a few things don't fall into place here over the next couple of weeks, it's going to lead to mass starvation of potentially hundreds of millions of people around the globe, and that is going to lead to social unrest, which potentially could lead to you know, large-scale war, like much larger than just Russia, Ukraine. And again, these are all decisions that could be, even if he went in in one direction, like he could stop, he could right now change things. It wouldn't solve all of the issues, but at least it would kind of move things in the right direction. And they fundamentally, like you said, don't care. And you can't tell me any differently because if, if I was looking at you know, all the things that you potentially could do, and many people have brought them up, they are unwilling to do any of those and completely skirt the issues with stupid PR stunts, you know, laying the blame somewhere else, um, you know, or just like trying to, to go, oh, look, a squirrel, 
uh, over here and, and de- deflect, but these are real issues. See, I, I feel like I need to give like affirmations throughout these episodes because it's like everything is so like you know like like from the the, the help like you are kind, you are pretty, you are important or whatever it is. Like it's gonna be okay, guys. We're gonna get through this together. It's you know like well let, let, here. So let's let's talk about the optimistic stuff because the optimistic stuff. You know, at the end of the day, you know what makes America great is not the government it's the people and you know the foundational principles and you know, the companies and industry and you know all of those kinds of things and even though we have things that are moving in a bad direction we still have a lot of that right we have a lot of fantastic people we have a lot of people willing to stand up for freedoms we have a lot of great company we companies we have a lot of great innovation um so as I said, like, you know, this isn't the most, like, completely uplifting thing, but we are the skinniest kid at fat camp. Like, there is no other place around the world where you're like, oh, well, we really better watch out because that country, you know, they're really focused on individual rights and capitalism, and they're going to come and they're going to eat our lunch because, you know, they're doing the things that we did a couple hundred years ago. Um, you know, there, there's, there, is, there is no one else, Tina. There is no alternative. So, you know, that's the one thing that we have going for us, you know, in addition to just the, the solid foundation of what is America. But we, the government is doing everything they can to mess this thing up. Um, and we, we really, really do need to start taking some serious action. Quick break. More about what you need to know about the current economy with Carol Roth. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You talk about being the skinniest at fat camp, but they're even attacking that because they're telling us that Lizzo is the epitome of health. So we're, <laughs> we can't even have that, I guess. Right? No, you know? no, up is down, down is up, left is right. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it, it is, you, you joke about the, the 1984 analogies and people keep going, oh, you know, it's so lazy, but it isn't. It's like literally makes you, you feel on many days, like you're living in a dystopian novel, and it has gotten to the point where it's somewhat indistinguishable between parody and reality. Like, I will often read a headline and go, is this a serious thing? Is this the Babylon Bee? Like, is this somebody, like, I, I, I fundamentally, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty insightful, like, I, I fundamentally can't tell anymore, Lisa. And, it, you know, we, we do need to keep our, our sense of humor about that, I think. Well, you really do. I wish I, I was trying to pull it up on Twitter, but I can't pull it up fast enough. There was like something with Lena Dunham recently in, in a bathing suit and they're like, oh, she's so hot, like the media. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Like, don't you know, we we have eyes, people, you know, it's so frustrating. It's like a normal person, too, because like unlike you, who's like, you know, like super thin and, and gorgeous and whatever, like I'm just like normal. So I kind of feel like you have to be on one end of the spectrum. Like if you're like super huge and like, you know, just ridiculous. They're like, oh, she's so beautiful and brave and stunning, whatever. And then obviously, you know, if you're thin and beautiful, you're thin and beautiful. But like, if you're someone who's like, you know, an extra 10 pounds, like, forget about it. Like everyone in the middle, like just, it's, it's like a, a barbell, like everything else. They're wiping out the people in the middle. They don't care about the middle class. They don't care about the middle weight. Anyone who's in the middle is just, you know, completely. I try to go to the gym like every day though. So it's probably not like the easiest, probably not necessarily the best way to go fast. I do too, but you're, you're younger than me. Once you hit a certain age, <laughs> it doesn't matter how many, like I, I work out probably five to six times a week, but I also like food. So that's, I, I'm, a I'm feeling it. I'm 37. I'll have like two glasses of wine. I'm hungover the next day. So my body's worth <laughs> but I have, what a, you, you had, uh, <laughs> back to the economy, but you had previously, uh, you know, talked about ESG. Talk a little bit about that for the audience, the environmental, social and governance. You know, what that is, why it's impacting companies across the country and just our overall culture. So just touch touch on that a little bit, if you don't mind. ESG is wild because it is something that has created such dislocation in capital markets, yet so few people, I mean, even people at like high levels of finance haven't even heard of it. I got I to teach Ben Stein, the amazing Ben Stein, Bueller, Bueller, Voodoo Economics, all of that 
what it is. Um, and basically, part of the reason I think people don't know what it is is because it's intentionally opaque and difficult to define. So there are these quote-unquote standards, environmental, social, and governance, created by Lord knows who, you know, the, the important elite people. And this is just basically a centrally planned set of objectives. There are people in the World Economic Forum. There are, you know, leaders of the, the Green New Deal, all those kinds of people who come together and say, these are the agendas we want to push, and we need to put a wrapper around them to, to make it palatable and to get people to comply. So we're going to make this something that companies need to comply with. And so then you get a class of people, you know, that the, the sort of um, Peter Thiel calls them the racketeers, the consultants, the accountants, the lawyers, who all go, oh, there's a way to make a fee here. Same thing with people on Wall Street. Oh, well, my ETF doesn't charge that, many, that much in terms of fees, but if I make a special ESG ETF, you know, maybe then I can charge more. And so they start ramming this down the throat of corporations. And if you're a corporation, you just want to mitigate risk. You don't want to not have access to capital. You don't want to you know, cause major disturbances. You're just like, okay, that's fine. Pay the consultants. And that's how it sort of gets entrenched. And, you know, there, there's two pieces of this which are somewhat in conflict. There's a piece that's just an entire scam about it. You know, the, the former CIO of the kind of sustainable investing at BlackRock quit over this and basically said it does nothing for the environment. You know, it's, it's a complete scam. It's a way to make fees. But at the same time, despite that, uh, you, you do have all of these people pushing it. And it has impacted the way that lenders and investors invest because if a company is targeted because it doesn't have a good ESG score, you know, kind of social credit, if you will, for companies, um, they can't raise capital. And that's what we're seeing happen uh, with a lot of these energy companies. So, oh, well, you're not, you know, green enough and you're not doing the things that we told you you need to do. And so, you know, we're not allowed to make investments in your company. And if you don't have the investment capital, then the companies don't make the investments, you know, oil, gas, all that kind of stuff doesn't just like fall from the sky. There's a process that's involved there. And there's a long lead time. And so that's part of the problem why we're having the supply issues um, you know, here in the U.S., you know, in addition to the cancellation of some of the oil and gas leases. So this ESG movement is, you know, both nefarious from a, hey, it's a grift, but also from, you know, kind of these people with bad intentions who are pushing it to try to cram different agendas down corporations' throats because they know that companies won't comply with their idiocy, you know, they're, they're trying to do what's best for the shareholders based on market dynamics. Um, and this is a way for central planners, you know, by holding capital allocation and other ratings hostage, um, can try to, to manipulate companies. And then, you know, that comes back to you because it means that you're not getting the same level of innovation. It means companies aren't doing things based on you know, benefits to their customers and shareholders. And if you're invested in these companies, it means that, that somebody's messing with the internal capital allocation decisions and you're not going to get the best return. So, you know, th those are some of the, the high level things to keep in mind.
Can we put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to central planning? I mean, even looking at COVID and in the premise of your, your book and the fact that, you know, small businesses got crushed, the big got bigger. Can we put the genie back in the bottle at this point? I think we can. I mean, COVID stopped because we said no, right? Like eventually we're like, I'm not wearing a mask on an airplane. This is stupid. You got a judge to go, yep, this is kind of stupid. And it stopped. If, if that didn't happen, we would all still be wearing masks on a plane. We just need to continue to stand up and go, no, yeah, this isn't, we're not doing this. This is not happening. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, with these of the corporations, there's a unique opportunity that we have in the economic environment that we're in and that we are going to endure for probably the next 12 to 18 months. Um, companies who were, kind of woke or off doing ESG things or whatever it was, you know, had the luxury of doing that because they had all kinds of access to capital. Things were going well. Uh, we were in a bull market. Now they don't have that luxury anymore. And so they're going to be very focused on making money and not making a ruckus. So if there was ever a time to influence it is now. And how much of an impact, you know, we've seen Elon Musk recently step up. I, I don't know if he's actually going to buy Twitter or not, but it, at least say he's going to, you know, embark on some sort of, you know, deal, which they're obviously both both sides are, are trying to get the best deal possible or get out. I don't know. But, you know, but we, then we also saw Governor DeSantis stand up to Disney as well. How much is there a new trend on the horizon of, you know, people stepping up and, and pushing back against these comp- ESG companies going woke? All of that. So first of all, I'm going to fall back on something I told you, you know, not not that long ago in our discussion is trust nobody. (laughs) Focus on the principles of what people are doing, but not on the people because they're going to ultimately do things to disappoint you. I don't think that either of those people are our saviors, but I do appreciate when people are stepping up in context. Um, I think there is an opportunity to have this kind of pushback if it's done appropriately. Um, there are people obviously on the you know, very progressive left that are super great at organizing and have influenced the companies to do these kinds of things. I do think that they're, they're, the pendulum can swing the other way, but it is going to take action. Um, so the, the runway is there, the opportunity is there, but we need more people to step up and seize that opportunity. And you can't just rely on Elon Musk or Ron DeSantis. You know, and, and what do you think's coming? I mean, we've got, you know, Elon Musk reportedly plans to cut 10% of Tesla's salaried workforce. He said he had a super bad feeling, allegedly in an email to executives. You've got JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon saying there's a hurricane coming. You know, what is coming and, and how do people prepare for it? So, again, as I, I said, you know, it's, it's very difficult to fully predict these things because some of it is predicated on actions that haven't happened yet. And, you know, a whole series of different actions can set off a different chain of events. So let's assume that we don't end up in World War Three, you know, because of you know, mass starvation that leads to social unrest. So let's leave that case <laughs> as a, you know, an outlier, black swan, well, not black swan because I can see it, just an outlier situation. If things just kind of keep going the way they're going, we have two issues which are in conflict with each other. As I said, you have a push 
for the consumer to keep us from a recession. We have, you know, if the consumer is strong and they go out and they continue to spend and they continue to deplete their savings and go into debt and spend, we're going to save the economy from a recession. So that's one side. On the other side, you have the Federal Reserve that is trying to fight inflation. And how do they try to fight inflation by raising interest rates and creating tighter credit conditions to cool demand? And cool demand is a fancy way of saying, hey, the consumer can't spend as much because if they do, then it will continue to stoke inflation. So do you see the problem there is that you've got on one side they're trying to cool the consumer demand, and on the other side they're trying to say, well, the consumer has to spend, otherwise we end up in a recession. So that's not I, – I, that's like a, like circular logic, right? That's like you, get a, you try that on your Excel spreadsheet, you get a big circular reference, this does not compute. So that means that we have probably one or two scenarios ahead of us. We, it could be a recession. We could actually, you know, recessions are always backwards looking. We had a negative quarter of GDP in the first quarter. We could be in one now, or by the end of the year, we could end up in one or sometime next year. So, so we could have a recession, this sort of retraction of the economy, or we could end up with a prolonged period of stagflation where we do see kind of like a little bit of growth, but we just can't get inflation under control. I don't think inflation goes substantially higher than it is now on a percentage growth basis, but remember everything is cumulative. So even if, you know, we end up with 4, 5 or 6% inflation for the next couple of years, like that's not good. That's probably going to outpace wage growth and that means people are going to be losing money on top of the money that they've already lost from the inflation that's already here. So it is going to be a challenging situation. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of haves and have-nots. And unfortunately, I think the haves, as we've been kind of alluding to, are those those bigger entities, you know, the people who are already wealthy, the big corporations that have really strong balance sheets that can wait this out. You know, if you are a small business or you're somebody who is, you know, scraping by and doesn't have that financial wherewithal, it's going to be a very difficult position. And so I think we're going to have just this further polarization and they're going to mix it because they're just going to go look at the average. We're going to throw this all in the pot and look at the average instead of going, you know, we have a big portion uh, of people and of businesses who are struggling based on our stupid decisions, and, you know, this is a, a, bad, a bad scenario. So, you know, I, I think those are probably the, the two places, but this whole idea that we're going to have the economy come in with a soft landing, that they're going to thread the needle just perfectly, and all of a sudden, you know, by the end of the year, everything's going to be fantastic. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of weird things that all have to line up for that to be to happen. It's certainly not impossible, but like if I was a betting person and going to Vegas, like I wouldn't pick that horse. But like if you're listening and you're saying to yourself, I want to be a have, not a have not, are there safe steps? Like what can people do at home to prepare or just to be on the safe start? What, what are just the safe, smart moves? So there are a couple of things. There, there's, and again, it depends on your current financial situation. If, if you're somebody who's you know living 
kind of paycheck to paycheck or doesn't have a lot in savings, you want to make sure that you're culling back your expenses, you're paying down any sort of debt that is variable. Um, If you have something that you locked in, you know, like a mortgage at a fixed rate that's low, that's great, keep that. But these variable rate things, credit cards or, or anything that has an adjustable rate that's going to continue to go up with rises in interest rates, you want to pay that down because it's just going to cost you more and more and it's going to eat away at more of your spending power. You're going to really want to look at your expenses. And I know it's it's not pleasant, but personal austerity is a really good plan right now to just kind of call back um, and to see what it is you can get rid of. I know it's a terrible time. Everyone's itching to do more things um, after you know having everything disrupted for the last couple of years. But you know, you would be wise to, to wait that out if you can. If you can prepay for things, um, you know, stock up on things like, you know, meats if you have a, a freezer and, and freeze them to lock in pricing today. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that you want to do. Now, if you are somebody who fort- is fortunate to be able to make investments, there are a couple of things that you can look at. Um, some, one is something called an I-bond. It is a treasury savings bond. You have to go to the treasury website. I think it's called treasurydirect.gov, or the IRS has a a program as well. And you can get an I-bond, which is basically a savings bond that changes interest based on uh, inflation, and they change it up every six months. But again, it is tied to you know, changes in inflation. Right now, the rate is something like 9.62 or 9.63%. That's locked in for at least six months. And so if you can put some money away, I think the max is $10,000 per social security number in your household. Um, and you can hold it for at least a, a few years because that's when sort of all the penalties go away. That's a good way to you know, to um, you know, protect some of what you have from inflation. And then, you know, just in terms of, you know, investments, you know, the market's going to have a wild ride here. But if you go back to old school valuation and looking at the companies with strong balance sheets and, you know, big moats in their business, um, you know, the ability to survive, the ability to pass on price increases, you know, those are the kinds of companies that, you know, are, are worth investing in over long periods of time. Well, you know, and I know there's a lot of people like I, you know, my lease is up in December and I'm like, should I buy, you know, like everything's so freaking expensive, like home prices and stuff. You know, I think a lot of people are wondering, is there a correction coming in? Like what's, you know, what's is so, it, the economy sucks? Like, what, yeah, the, hu- the housing the market is like everything we have right now is so messed up. It's so it's like this is the most complicated I've ever seen anything in my entire career. Um, so here are the, the, the sort of the issues on the housing market. So the issue is obviously you have rates going up, which impact mortgage rates, which means those go higher. And as those go higher, that puts pressure on people who you know, take out mortgages to say, wow, this is too expensive, and they drop out. So you have that, and that should put some pressure, you know, some cooling pressure on the market on one hand. On the other hand, we are underbuilt in this country by between four and five plus million units. We went through a whole decade after the Great Recession financial crisis where there was just substantial underbuilding. 
So the demand and supply are completely out of whack. And even with some cooling, you know, you have a lot of all cash buyers, you're starting to have more corporate buyers. Um, you know, there are a lot of forces that, you know, when it cools, it probably at some point bounces back up again. I don't think that the residential real estate market is in a place like we were in 07 or, or 08 where people over levered and, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of issue with, you know, all of a sudden all of this supply becoming available because of foreclosures. Very different in the resi- or in the uh, corporate real estate market, but on the residential side, I think that long-term, you know, underbuilding issue, um, even you're probably going to get it come down a little bit, but then I think it pops back up again because you, you just cannot get around the fact that we don't have enough homes in this country. You know, we look at that there's still labor shortage. And, you know, how much of that is what's what's the root cause of that? Oh, <laughs> how much time do you have? OK, so right now we have about two jobs open for every job seeker. There are a few things that are all happening that, you know, some some are related and some are unrelated. So first we have the, like, dippy pandemic-related policy that impacted the labor market. So you had 3 million people, baby boomers, who retired early, probably because their 401ks were up and their houses, you know, housing prices were up, and they're just like, eh, I don't need to deal with this anymore. I'm just going to peace out and go enjoy my life. So that pulled 3 million people out of the labor force. We had a halt on legal immigration. You know, people, both college-educated and uneducated, who typically come into the workforce. The trajectory that we were on, if things had just kind of kept pace with the way that they were before COVID, it's estimated that there were more than 2 million legal immigrants who are not in the workforce today that should be, and about a million of those are college-educated. So that's been a piece. Then you have a piece where there are people who just kind of decided, hey, I'm day trading, I'm doing a hobby business, you know, I don't know if they're going to shut my kids' school back down again, so I can't really re-engage in the workforce in the way that I previously had. So you have all those things that are pandemic-related, and you can add on to that the skills mismatch that we had before any of this came about. So even before we had a situation where, you know, we had a lot of jobs that we didn't necessarily have the right people for the for certain jobs. Like we have a serious issue in terms of the airline industry in this country. Like if, if you are somebody who's looking at a new career or you have a, a kid or a grandkid who is, you know, thinking about what to do with their life, like we need pilots, we need flight attendants like badly and it pays really well. Um, you know, and those are things where you can't just go, oh, well, we have all these people looking for jobs, like let's make them a pilot. You know, that just doesn't happen. So there, there's a lot of, you know, skills gap issues that's going to take some time to solve. And I know that, you know, a lot of major airlines are, are proactively trying to do things, but that doesn't happen overnight. And then when you get, you know, all this insanity that I just talked about, you know, it just exacerbates the issue. Um, you know, now that being said, that could help us in terms of you know, having a more shallow recession, because usually when you have a recession, you have all these people 
who lose jobs and it's this this massive issue. Because we have so many companies who are looking, they may just stop looking or, you know, you may have some that have layoffs but other people who can absorb that. So, again, on an individual basis, it's not a great thing, but on a macro basis, you know, that's sort of our silver lining other side of what's going on in the labor market. Carol, anything else you want to leave us with before we go? (laughs) So I know this was a highly depressing discussion. Um, I think that, you know, as Americans, as people who want to create wealth for ourselves and for future generations, we have to remain optimistic. I don't know any pessimists who you know, are able to, to do those kinds of things. So I think it's, it's about being realistic and being prepared and taking action, but also you know, not getting yourself worked up in such a frenzy to say, you know, this is the end. We always go through cycles. Um, we're definitely you know, running out of cycles, but I don't believe, you know, borrowing again, as I said, you know, some kind of crazy World War III scenario that this is the end of the road. But we're getting pretty close. So we need, we need to take action. But keep that optimism that, you know, your actions can impact what's going on on both sort of a, a, a general level as well as a personal level and take those steps you know, to build your personal wealth and your personal economic freedom and support the people around you. Carol, always informative and funny. I appreciate you joining the show. Thank you. And I will look forward to your hashtag on what occasion uh, next insight. Yes. And everyone follow Carol on Twitter. Carol, what's your, I'm looking it up right now. What's your. uh... It's at Carol J.S. Ross. Yes. For both smart advice, like what we just discussed, and also for the fashions. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Carol. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, I I hope you learned a lot from that. I know things can be a little bit depressing right now, but we're the United States of America. We will get through this together. We got to stay informed. We got to stay on top of things. And I'm going to continue to bring you the truth on The Truth with Lisa Booth. Listen to us every Monday, every Thursday, every single week. Interesting guests like Carol and many others just trying to get to the truth of of what you need to know and what's actually going on right now in the country. If you can, go to Apple, leave us five stars, leave us a review, share the podcast with your friends and family if you don't mind. And I also wanted to thank my producer, John Cassio, for always working hard to bring this show to you. So thanks so much, guys.